Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things. Friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 16. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble, in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's good to see all of you this morning. Uh, there's room for a few more. Um, this passage is one of my favorites in the, old, in the book of Psalms um, because it speaks of the faithfulness of God, especially in the difficult times. And on a day like this where we celebrate the, the uh, lives of those that were lost in the Murrow Building bombing, um, it is right that we should reach out to the community to walk through this day of extreme grief for a lot of those families. We have a number of people downtown giving witness to their faith and the compassion of our Lord. And I've had friends say, you know, that seems strange that a church would not um, would participate in that rather than coming to church. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a bad time when my father passed away. He, uh, he had been sick for eight or nine years, and we'd been home at Christmas before he passed away. And my brother was home from Africa, and we had a great time together. Put my brother on the plane to go back to Africa, and I drove Dad home in the pickup, and he said to me as we drove, I won't be here when you come back. I asked for the Lord to give me time to pay for the college expenses of all of my boys. I sent them the last, last payment this week. So now it's time to go home. Um, I said, well, don't give up. My goodness, this is a time to give up. But uh, some months later, 
we got a telephone call. Well, actually, I was in the northern part of Haiti with a work team building on a church, and I woke up on the Monday morning, or on Sunday, and uh, just felt that I had to go back to Port-au-Prince. I didn't know why. There was another missionary with me, and I said, can you handle this if I leave today? He said, yes. We had the service that morning. I got on a coffee truck to go to Port-au-Prince. Now, a coffee truck has two extra seats in the cab, and anybody else that wants to ride can ride on top of the coffee. It's not a good place to ride. <laughs> Every tree that you go under hits you in the face, unless you cover it up. So I rode for about 14 and a half hours through the night, and I finally arrived in Port-au-Prince. I didn't have a car in town, so I went to the people that supplied our building materials, and I said to Reginald, you have a driver that you could spare to take me to the house? He said, oh, certainly. But before you do that, I just had a telephone call from your brother. He said that your dad is dying today. Um, he would love for you to come. I said, can I call him back? He said, yes, here's the number. And I called and got a hold of Chuck and told him we would, if we could get permission to leave Haiti and return, we would be there as soon as we could. So Monday was spent most of the day trying to arrange for permission to leave and return to Haiti and to get an airplane. I went to my favorite travel agent down there and I said to him, I need to go to the United States tomorrow with the entire family. He looked and he said, every plane from Haiti is full. But uh, I'll make some calls and you go to the airport really early tomorrow morning. Somebody will take you. We don't know which airline or what routing but somebody will take you tomorrow. Well, we got out there and we waited. First plane came in, left, second one, third one. The fourth one, I walked up to the, the, the supervisor at the airport and I said to him, so you're, you're the one who's gonna take us out of here? He said, yes, and I'm very sorry about your father. Uh, I hope you get there in time. Um, it, uh, we didn't quite make it. I called from Miami and my brother said, he won't be alive another five minutes. They've taken him off of all life support and he'll be gone. But we've told him that you're coming. Um, we had the funeral, but uh, it was in a town 35 miles from where our family and our friends lived, and it was not going to be convenient for them to get to that funeral. So on Sunday afternoon, we invited anyone who wanted to come to, uh, to talk to mom and try to encourage her, and it was a good thing. 
I don't remember who came or what they said. They didn't say very much to me. But I had a friend from high school that came in. I saw him drive up, and I stepped out on the porch. And he climbed the steps and threw his arms around me and said, Walt, we were together for almost two hours. He didn't say another word until we went back out for him to go home. And you know what he said? Walt put his arms around me, and I saw the tears in his eyes. The people who have gone through the tragedy of the Murray Building, um, we honor them today. And it's a healthy thing for us when we lose a loved one to reach out to the family that is left repeatedly over a period of years. And this is a good thing for us as godly people. This is right that we should help them and carry, with, carry some of the uh, some of the agony and pain that they're feeling today. Um, a group of our people are down there participating in a very visible way, but they're extending the love of God to those people. We do have a beautiful story that came out of it. In fact, two or three several stories that are important for us to remember. Um, Psalm 16 is very personal. David is remembering and relishing the faithfulness of God. As he relives the memories of that faithfulness of God, he acknowledges how much he owes God. David renews his faith and his hope in this particular psalm. Um, it's very personal to him, and it's a very good thing for our own personal faith. We come to this psalm with the confidence that it contains the very thoughts that enlighten and encourage our personal relationship with God. Uh, it's not a psalm to invite sinners to repentance. It's a psalm that shows us all how faithful our God is, how trustworthy he is, how important it is to walk with him in all of the difficulties and the gracious times in our lives. Uh, a friend said to me that Psalm 16 is where he goes when he needs to regain his own inner peace, when he's discouraged or when he is suffering. He turns to this psalm not as an escape from reality, but for him to remind himself through the word that there are other facts, some things that we don't see with our eyes, but God is faithful. Um, he says, I'm reminded that God will never leave me homeless, hopeless, but reminds me that together with God, I can triumph over these tragedies and these difficult times. We had several people connected with our church that, that were affected on that day. Justine Knight 
is the wife of uh, a former general superintendent of our church. She had an appointment in the Murrah building that morning at 9 o'clock. And she was almost to downtown from Bethany when she realized she had left the documents on her desk. So she quickly turned around and rushed home, got those documents, and started back downtown. Uh, she heard the bomb go out, go off, and saw the smoke. And then a policeman stopped her and said, you can't go any further toward town. Go home, turn your radio on as you go, and you'll know what's happening. Uh, it was a real shock to her. She uh, re realized that it was only the grace of God that kept her from losing her life that day. And she was very, very grateful. There are many families around us here in the city that are reliving the horror of that day today. And it is very fitting with David that we focus our worship on our God and Savior who protects us and cares for us and walks with us through the difficult passages. He is a faithful friend. Very, very close and very wonderful to us. This psalm is a prayerful meditation on the riches that David enjoyed in his relationship and fellowship with God. There are seven psalms that have this kind of tone. It's designated as, as uh, psalms uh, of confidence, quiet confidence in the loving Father that we have. There are seven, seven psalms that have that kind of tone. These psalms are, are songs that begin with a, an expression of trial or loss or pain or personal hardship. And in each case, the psalmist resolves the pain in a relationship of his dependence on God. Every one of those seven psalms have that tone. They talk about the difficulty and the faithfulness of God. And David prays that he might always live in the shelter of God's presence. That's a good prayer for us. In God alone, he finds his safety and its happiness. God never fails. Has he ever failed any of you? Sometimes I thought he did, and then realized that he would protect me from something far worse. Um, God never fails us. Sometimes there are things that uh, just seem overwhelming. And there are those in our world who turn to other sources for support and strength. To other gods is the way they're addressed. And David says that, that uh, they don't have a chance. They'll be in trouble. God does not fail. Um, and he tells us how richly the Lord has supplied his needs way beyond the confidence of any other God. And uh, 
He he is counseling and admonishing those around him who were tempted to worship the other gods that were in the neighborhood, neighbor neighbor countries. They saw them, they watched how they worshiped, and some were tempted to go and find out about those beliefs. But David keeps concluding that we need to keep our God before us always in the good times and in the bad in the difficult passages and in the joy of delivery the first three verses of the psalm have a a theme of preserve me Uh, the second uh, verse four uh, has three significant things those who choose another god just make their sorrows and their troubles worse. They spill out their libations of blood and sacrifices, and David warns them that God will refuse to even use their names, that he won't have a part of those other gods. He's not going to play who's, who's better or who's stronger. Verses 5 and 6 tell us that the Lord is David's own chosen portion. God holds the cup of David, and no one can take it from God. He holds your hands and your lives and your circumstances in the palm of his hand. And he walks with us through the dark valleys and with the victories. He is victorious. Uh, verses 7 and 8 have the theme that uh, the night is a favorable, favorable time to communicate with God. Growing up, I, I remember my teachers would say, uh, meet God in the morning, pray, read, read his word, and then uh, if you have time during the day, go back to his word and read again, but if not, in the evening make sure that you don't just meet God as you brush your knee against the floor in a, in, in a going-to-bed kind of prayer. Spend time thinking in the evening about God's grace and his faithfulness. Uh, the, the Hebrews and the people of that Middle Eastern part of the world at that time felt that uh, the seat of feelings, the root place for joy or sadness, were in the kidneys. We think it's in the heart. But um, the Hebrew people at that time felt that affection was seated in the kidneys and and, uh, that we needed to pay pay attention to our kidneys. Um, David says, I keep the Lord always before me. Um, Whether it's kidneys or heart, maybe it's in our minds instead. But um, it it really is a powerful thing. And then verses 9 and 11 are witness to the fullness of God and his grace. And he makes it clear that God will show us the path of life and it is a pleasant way to go. On the day 
of the bombing, one, of, one member of this congregation was in, De in a meeting in Denver. He was with others who held the same leadership position in the United States centers across the nation, the government buildings. Uh, because he was in the military, I think he may have been uh, somehow a part of the security for that building. But he had to meet with the other leaders, and, and so he went. But as I counseled with him after the bombing, he said to me, you know, I, I stay right there close to that front parking area where they are supposed to let people off and no car is supposed to be parked there. And I think I would have seen the truck pull up there, park, and leave it. I would have known, since he didn't come into the building, that it was not, it should not be parked there. But he wasn't there. And he felt terrible guilt about it. Um, I reminded him that uh, he had two little girls and a wife that needed him and God prepared for him to be there for them. Um, we have another uh, person who has become a part of our congregation. We don't see her most Sundays, but she never misses the outpost ministry in one of the apartment complexes close by. She's known as Granny. I talked to Mike Laughlin because she's always at his gatherings in those complexes. And all he knows is Granny. Her three-year-old, not quite three-year-old little boy was one of those that was killed in the bombing. There's another Dominique that was named for his cousin after the bombing. She lives in the Meridian Ridge Apartments and she's caring for that eighth grade grandson. Um, he got that name in honor of his, of his cousin. Granny doesn't have much and sometimes struggles for survival for her and the little boy. Um, every Sunday we see her. She was in our church. These are Mike's words. She was in our church Easter Sunday morning. She came. She will make her first trip ever to the Memorial Marathon this year because of our confident covenant re relationship with God. Our our young boys are doing a, a marathon relay in honor of Dominique. She had to be there to see it. And it's in our relationship with Granny, he says, that glimpses of heaven burst through on earth. Our youth are also impacted by Granny's faithfulness. Faithfulness to that grandson. Faithfulness to her Lord. And faithfulness to the memory 
of the grandson she lost. Mike said, honestly, I don't even know her real name because in the apartment house, that's all they ever say, Granny. And everybody knows who Granny is. Today, with David, we rejoice in the surety of our faith, in the benefits that we have by His grace. For too long, the American church has neglected the mission God gave His disciples. He commissioned His disciples to bring the joy of salvation to the world. I think sometimes we come to church and this is the extent of our reaching out to the world around us. There's much more. They need the message and they're not going to come here to get it. So if our lives and our words and our relationships to them do not get involved in them individually, away from a church setting, they may never hear the gospel story. The, uh, the commission he gave us is that we should bring the light of the world to our part of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your gracious love and sacrifice. And I pray that you will lay it on our hearts to be more and more involved in direct personal witness to your love and mercy in the world where we live, in the communities that we are a part of, whether it's a school or a business or just in friendships. May our lives show the light of your love to the world around us. In Jesus' name I pray. But I would like to ask all of you to uh, consider who you can pray for. Some of us may need to come and, and kneel um, to pray about our own attitudes and our own need for God's extended grace. There may be issues we're, of health that we're, we're worrying with and we can trust that to God as well let's stand together and uh, and that'll make it easier for you to to get out and come forward if you would like is here with us. Will you join us in prayer?
Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your love and mercy, for the joy of our salvation, for your faithful to us, faithfulness to us as we walk with you through these days. Give us strength and courage to witness our faith to the world. May our lives also show your love extended. May we be conscious of the ways that you protect us, that you encourage us, that you provide for us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will open our hearts to the needs of our congregation. There is a list of them in our, in our uh, folders this morning. And Lord, we raise those names and people before you. I pray especially for, for uh, several members that uh, are struggling, especially for Vanetta Kugler. I pray, Lord, that you will help her to recover from the illness that she's been struggling with. Give her strength and hope and life. I pray that you'll reach out to those that are on our hearts and our minds this morning. All of us know someone who needs our prayers. And may we pray for them individually right now. We thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers. We ask for your guidance in the days ahead. I pray that you'll bless those who are at the marathon. I pray that their witness will have an impact on the lives that, that stop and visit with them. I thank you for our youth who are honoring Granny and, and that family in their loss. And I know that there are others who are there specifically on behalf of those who love individuals. I pray, Lord, that our lives every day will be a witness to the world around us, a witness of your love, your grace, your mercy. And Lord, when someone is suffering and going through a, a difficult passage, give us the courage to uh, reach out in love. We may not know what to say, but just our presence is often adequate for their need to realize that they're not alone. And also, Lord, remind us to reach out to those who have lost loved ones around us, family members, um, friends, neighbors. I pray, Lord, that you will make us vessels of your love extended into this community. I pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Like us on Facebook at Oklahoma City First Church of the Nazarene or follow us on Twitter at OKC First Church.